Um, we have a, a guest speaker. And we, we say guest speaker, but don't take this the wrong way. You're not really a guest speaker. I mean, you're part of the church. So we call you a guest speaker, but, man, you're family. And so it's just an honor to have uh, Emmanuel here. And, and this guy is just raw, right, and raw in a good way. He's not wearing a mask. He comes with an unconcealed heart to the Lord. He'll bear his heart with you. And so um, I'm excited to hear what he, he would have to say and, and share with everybody here today. And also just the name Emmanuel, you know what I mean? God with us. <laughs> And so, like, his name speaks prophetically, right, that God is with us. And so, hallelujah, Emmanuel, come on up. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, no, like Greg said, this is uh, Clarissa and I's um, seventh time being out here. Um, and Slidell in a what two year span? Yeah. So we, um, I'm originally, and you'll learn all about my story. But real quick, um, originally from uh, Los Angeles, California, met my wife Clarissa uh, in Bakersfield before we moved out to Houston. And I'd already been following Greg up until that point. But when I when I moved to Houston, one of the things I wanted to see was how close we were driving distance to the church, six hours drive. And so we've been out here like, what, every four months or so just to, like he said, I feel like family. I feel extremely comfortable up here. Got my Yeezys on and my dry fit t-shirt. I wore this shirt just in case it gets too hot. It's supposed to be uh, dry fit to keep me uh, dry. We'll test it out. Um, let me uh, get some notes so that I, get, uh, so that I don't get off track. Um, so basically what I want to do is share um, how I found this church, why this message means so much to me, and how the cross is changed my life, um, even to the point where I went back in time and try to figure something, or it, it's changed my life to the point where I can go back and look revisionist history on my life and the, p the points of pain that I have. So this will be a very uh, relatable message, hopefully. I mean, it's not specific, you know, this is my pain, but we all have our different areas of pain. And I, I, my goal is hopefully that we'll be able to see how God can even bring joy out of the past of our pains. You know, it says that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And I want to talk about and shed light on the yesterday part, even though he's right now and today because, um, excuse me, I, I get really caught in those like water break. You see, I have my waters lined up. I came prepared, so just uh, bear with me. Um, so it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I read a lot of books on like, um, like, uh, psychology and just not like psychology but really just on like how that affects the human heart and what happens is when the when the when the human heart doesn't have a past when the human heart hasn't experienced healing in the past even though they've moved forward from it it produces remorse and so it's one of those things from reading books and stuff that I really caught my attention and stuff like wow who can change the past you know what's done is done right and so uh, this message, like I said, has really been able to um, not only help me with today as daily bread, not only give me a hope for the future, but also allow me to see that God was with me even in my most painful times. OK, so that's that's the goal of this. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully it's. Uh, yeah, it should, it should end with some fireworks. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. So first, life and upbringing. So uh, my my full name is Echosa Emmanuel Osaseri. I'm Nigerian. Well, my parents are Nigerian. I'm born in Los Angeles. But Echosa means the power of God. Um, 
but when I was a little kid, I didn't really care too much about that because none of my friends could pronounce it. And so uh, my mom, I was so pro like 10 years old, I didn't stand a chance. So I run to my mom and she's like, all oh, the kids are, you know, they're, they're, they're making fun of me and, you know, teasing me my name. So my mom found it right to just use my middle name. So all throughout anybody that knows me after fifth grade just knows me by Emmanuel or Manny or E. Um, so that's why, uh, but that's my full name. And then uh, as Greg said, uh, we all know Emmanuel is God with us. And then, uh, and you know, that's crazy. You can have the name, but you still need a reminder of it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Osisari, my last name, our last name, that, uh, that means um, God is the judge. So man, some, like, I know it's like a trifecta combo. <laughs> but, it, but again, it's about how the Holy Spirit just brings meaning to this, right? So um, how I met Greg. So, so I, I, I grew up the youngest of four and we, we went to a big mega church in, uh, in, in, in California. And so my, my, my upbringing is church every single Sunday, right? Just super, um, it was word of faith, um, charismatic sort of thing. And so since the age of like, I mean, I, I like to joke, I've been, uh, I've been going to church negative nine months because like that's all I know up until 18 where I was able to go off to college and do my own thing and kind of make decisions for myself. And uh, when I got to college, Water break real quick, sorry. When I got to college, um, I used my decision for the first time to not go to church. And it's not because I didn't love God. I mean, I always loved God and my parents grew, you know, we, we learned Bible. I had like Psalms 91 memorized at like the age of six, like in all these other Psalm verses. So I've always loved God, but at the same time, I don't love something that doesn't feel real to me. And so it's just easy to ditch, you know, you just know, you know a whole bunch of verses, but like my names, you know, they, if, you know, they don't have meaning to it, it's just verses, it's just a name, it's just, you know, it's not real. So went up to school at Fresno State and um, it's really interesting. You really, it's, it was the first time where I met people that didn't go to church their whole lives. And so, man, you go to college or anywhere really in the world and you know, you're know you bombarded with all sorts of ideologies. I mean, you'll find people who worship the grass, you'll find, I mean, everything, right? It's still prevalent today. Everybody has a belief that they need to hold on to for life. So long story short, to get to, get to where I wanna go, um, I, I, I at least knew enough to know that God was the answer, he just didn't make sense. And so, um, I ended up finding, uh, I moved to Bakersfield after college. Bakersfield is like two hours north of Los Angeles. I moved to Bakersfield and I, I had gotten to the point where I had gotten a curiosity again. Let's say I just, we'll just say I took five years off from church, right? From God, right? But I always had a sense that he was around. I just, again, a lot of confusion. He didn't really, it wasn't really real to me. So I moved to Bakersfield and I started to, I don't know if I started reading the Bible, but I just started to talk and fellowship and just communicate with God. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, this feels nice. This feels real. I have somebody that I can come to with my pain and my hurts. I don't, half the time is, I mean, cause this is about, let's say this is about 12 years ago. So at the time, all I can remember was just hanging in the backyard and playing video games and just working out and just enjoying time with God. Eventually you have a pure heart and so you want to get into ministry and share all this life that you have, right? And so uh, I got into the high school ministry and I got pulled into what's called, a, I call it churchianity, where it's just like you're going through the motions. Something about my personality, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a disciplinarian, I'm very organized, I'm a go-getter, I'm, I'm, I'm goal-oriented. And so when you say, you know, when you give me a checklist of things to do for God, 
I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do really good. And so, I mean, I got deep into it. I got, um, and none of these things are bad, by the way. I just, I need to paint context. So Sunday morning was high school ministry. And then Monday I would be a part of the prayer team. And then Tuesday I would be street ministry. And then Wednesday was a uh, high school ministry again. And then Thursday was college group ministry. And then Friday I go to the church and pray for the prison ministry. And then bless God, Saturday, I just had a, just enough energy to be able to rest and do it all over again on Sunday. All right. So churchianity, um, I really got steeped into that. And then I started to get that feeling from my childhood, like starting to feel fake again, man. I felt like I was vibing with God, but it's not as enjoyable anymore. I feel like I'm going to church kind of because I got to. And so <laughs> I'm the type of guy that, um, I'm a type of guy, man, if something doesn't make sense to me after a while, I'm just going to bail. And so that's what I did from the high school ministry at that time. Not, again, not because I didn't love God, not because I didn't love the high schoolers, but like, do you know how difficult it is to look a high schooler in the eyes as they're pouring your heart, their heart out to you and they're crying out for God and you don't even know God yourself? It's like that verse that says, I, I, I knew uh, of God, but I didn't know God yet. And so I just felt fake. And so I just stopped going. And it was a very, it was a very difficult period of my time, um, period of my, my life, because um, that was the first time I got accused of backsliding, or, uh, or what, what, what was the other one, uh, backsliding, or just go, going back. And I'm just like, no, I just, I just got questions, man. And so, um, you know, the whole, I, I got labeled some things. But it was, I, I look back now, and it was probably one of the more courageous moments of my life, because that's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, man, let's go back to square one. Let's go back to the to the first love, right? And so I know all this, I was experiencing this in my heart, but I couldn't put words to it. And so I just left anyways. I was just like, look, this is fake to me. Like, I'm not the type of guy that you just, you're just not gonna insult my intelligence, God. Like, you know, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining sort of thing. Like I need the real, you know, just, be blunt with me, you know, and what and what's going on? Because again, I'm a disciplinarian now. You give me your list, I'll do it, right? But you know, if you give a dead person things to do, you know, you're just going to produce more death. Dead people need life. And so, I ended up searching, and I, I uh, as a true millennial, I went on the internet this time because the pastors didn't have the answers. So you know, you you go on, you find a. I found this one pastor um, who remained lameless, and uh, he really, uh, I remember him, I found him on YouTube. He was teaching the gospel in a, sort of, in a sort of way to where it was just like, I knew there was something up. I knew, and it was, it was my entry into grace. And so um, this quote unquote grace preacher actually was um, somebody that uh, I was able to ask questions to. And it was the first time I was able to ask questions to a pastor, not feel just. So I'm very grateful for that, um, for the Holy Spirit leading me there to at least know that there was something outside of the legalism and the death I was experiencing. What was confusing about the high school thing was that I was experiencing death in my heart, but I didn't know why. And I was doing, again, the checklist was like, I was steep into, I mean, very good at it too. I was probably on my way to being like an assistant pastor at this church. But I was experiencing death and it got so bad that again, I just made the decision to just kind of just step away. And then from this guy's church, Bertie was a guest speaker. Now, let me tell you the difference. The, 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 the pastor that I was that that kind of started to get my attention that there was something more than the Christianity that I was experiencing. It was as if 
he knew of God. Like, cause he, he got me on the right track. But when Birdie came to his church, I remember, I, I was in my room. I remember it was a very, and I've been to like, my, I've been to like at least, at least three dozen churches in my life. I've been in church all my whole life. This was the first time I heard a speaker come up and this guy actually was talking like he knew God. Even the tense, it was union tense. And I just, listen, man, like the logic can play its part or whatever. But it, I mean, this guy was speaking directly to my heart. So what did I do? I ended up, um, I just ended up following Kim when I found it out that he had live services and stuff. And again, I had questions and things and he had uh, counselors at his church that I can have questions to. And I keep bringing up questions because I was talking with Greg about it earlier uh, this week. Thank you, excuse me. And um, there seems to be a church culture to where there's not a safe place for people who are confused like myself to ask questions. And I believe like the Holy Spirit brings questions like, um, uh, Matt talked about contradictions, right? If a person has a contradiction in their heart and they don't have somebody that they can go to, that can be a very troubling thing. And I experienced some of it. It can be extremely lonely. And so I found Birdie. I found some counselors at Birdie. And again, I started to get excited because, okay, I knew there was something up. There, the word made, okay, he's talking about resurrection life. Okay, now I don't feel burdened. I don't feel bad when I go to church. Praise God. So I started following him for a while. And then, uh, and then Greg did a video with him. Now, during this entire period where I'm going through this searching journey process, um, it was very lonely. Like I said, when you leave, when when you're known at, when you're known at the church, and then you leave the church, I mean, I mean, people will start speculating. You know, is he hooked on drugs? Is he, you know, is it a women? Is it, you know, is he often, you know, whatever? And so, like, it can be a very, very lonely process. And so, when I found out that there was a church in somewhere called Slidell in the States, because Bernie's in South Africa, right? And so it's nice to be able to, it's nice to be able to um, fellowship online. But when I found out that there was a church or there never another pastor here that believes what Bernie believed or online with that, that was here in the States, I got super excited. So uh, it wasn't long before I reached out to Greg. And again, Greg, I think our first conversation was like at least an hour, hour and a half. It was a, it was a minute but he's just systematically just unwinding all this confusion that I had in my heart. And he's not even, again, I, I know all the verses. And so he's saying verses without saying the chapter in the scripture and he's untangling. And I'm just like, whoa, dude, how are you doing this? And he said, it's all from the word made flesh. So that is, um, so this, so the word made flesh is, that's the message that comes out of this pulpit every Sunday, right? Whether it's Mo talking or Jay talking uh, or, or Jared or Matt, that's the word that comes out of here every single, every single message in some way, form or fashion. There's different ways to look at it. And so for me, I noticed talking with Greg and many of you guys as well too, I noticed that the thing that I got twisted in my heart, even from a little kid, was that I was taught that the father abandoned the son at the cross. And it doesn't look like that's something that will cause someone a life of pain, but boy, oh boy, if anyone can attest. And so I just said, this isn't the sort of ministry or the, the word may flesh anyone who's sitting on this gospel. It's not the sort of thing that you can just listen to once. And so there was a period of time where I shut off everyone except for, you know, the, the sermons that were coming out of this, this, this church and from Birdie's church and a few other pastors that I can trust. 
that, 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 that were showing me that this thing was about life. And so finally, after a couple of years of sitting under this message, it started to stir in my heart so much so to the point where I didn't just have a cognitive understanding of this. No, this stuff was in my heart. And I start to get that birdie feeling like, oh, I'm, this, I'm in union with God. So I want to talk, I want to kind of just um, park here because this premise is, is so is so monumental to all of our if if i can if if i opened up a bible school let's just hypothetically if i opened up a bible school this would be the the primary message you, you can't have a foundation with a faulty premise super important and so i grew up in a world where most pastors most churches were teaching a message that was coming from a place born from the father and the son being separate. Even if it sounds unrelated or stuff like that, they'll never be able to know God because their premise is wrong. And so when Greg started to unwind this in my heart all these years, with the word made flesh, the word made flesh, the word made flesh, I started to realize that this needs to be shouted from the rooftops. And so that's why I'm so grateful for this church. It's like, if the premise is wrong, you don't have anything to say to me or anyone else. If somebody came up, to, if somebody, my, my dad's a mathematician. If I came up to him and said two plus two equals 19, I'll come up with an answer, but it's by definition, it's gonna be wrong. And so I started to chew on this so much so to the point, like I said, where I was like, well, can this message do anything for the pain in my past? Because it's, you know, the, the scriptures talks about an assured hope in the future, but what about right now? And what if the pain that I have right now is as a result of the pain that I have in the past? Remember, we can't change the past. And if we try to sweep it under the rug, because, you know, we can just turn the other, you know, we can just act like it never happened, that'll build up, we're subconscious beings. And so I'm just speaking to our hearts. That will build up remorse in our heart. And I want to be healed, even if it's a little bit nasty. So I'm going to open up a little bit and um, I'll share three painful instances where I was able to look back as a result of the word made flesh, as a result of knowing that the father and the son were one on the cross. And I'm going to share how that blessed me. Because what happened was, before I go, what happened was Greg explained that the my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That was part of a complete thought. It's like, it's like football, I, I'm a sports, so all my, most of my analogies are sports, so if you don't like sports, you have to bear with me. But football has four quarters, right? It would be like stopping a, a football game in the middle of, uh, of the third quarter and then just going home. That's important, we gotta complete the thought, right? And so um, I gotta say, I, I, I'm, <laughs> well, I gotta say it now. Uh, I, when, I, when I use that analogy right now, my mind went, I'm an Atlanta Falcon fan. I know there's a bunch of Saints fans here. They're, well, here, here, take, you'll, you'll enjoy this. When I said, when I used that, when I used that analogy, I was thinking about the Super Bowl and how much I was wishing that it ended after three quarters. <laughs> My gosh, I mean, you want to talk about the cross, man. Come back like that, dude. Whew. I mean, sports, I mean, it's only up from there after sports. That's as low as the sports moment can get as a fan. But anyways, back on track. So, um, so union, so union was very, union uh, is, uh, was very important to me. It's monumental, it's foundational, it's a complete thought. So when Jesus is on the cross, 
when Jesus is on the cross and saying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? You know, Greg shared with me. No, no, no. Actually, it was like two weeks ago. Right? It was like, read it for yourself. Read it. Read it. And so I, uh, I read it on the plane and I read Psalms 22 and then Psalms 23. Again, the same thought. It goes from sorrow to praise. And he's still on the cross. And when I learned that, it stirred up in me so much that I had to go back and apply it to all the painful moments in my life. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to share three stories of painful moments in my life and how this message, although I can't change the past, I can have that healing in my heart um, that comes from uh, looking at the father with me in my pain. All right. So the first story, again, the premise of these is God was always with me. Okay. All right. So the first one, uh, I was, uh, I played basketball, really good at basketball. Now I've gotten better. And um, we were, I was, I was about six years old and I played in the basketball church league and uh, we, were, we were running late. I mean, it was like a 45 minute drive, you know, LA traffic. And we got there, uh, we were really late and we got there so late that there was only like a couple minutes left in the game. And it was a close game. And uh, the coach put me in the game like the rest of the rest of it because I didn't play and I wasn't one of our best players. I was kind of small. But I really wanted to play, and there was nothing better than telling my mom that I scored during a game. And so uh, I wasn't a big scorer. I was just like a hustle guy. I was one of the youngest guys on the team, but I really loved playing basketball. And there was a specific play towards the end of the game. We were up by one point. We were up by one point. There was 12 seconds left, something like that. And I was just sitting underneath the basket, and I don't know how I was wide open, but my teammate found me, and I shot the layup. And I clanked the layup. I missed my opportunity to score, even if I came late. And what that did to me, again, I'm like six years old or whatever. And one of my teammates was like, dang, E, if you made that shot, we really would have won the game. We still won the game. We were already up. I just, you know what I mean? That's, that, but, but, but being six years old and stuff, I, I was, that is true. We would have won by three instead of one. And I just wanted to, you know, I didn't get to tell my mom that I scored last minute or anything like that. And again, like I said, we're subconscious beings and that sort of thing will kind of stick, you know, stick in your heart. So much so to like now I play basketball hoops. I play, uh, I play pickup basketball at, at a neighboring gym in Houston. And man, these guys are high level skilled players. One of them played in the NBA, both of them D1 overseas and stuff. So again, I'm like kind of like experienced while I'm kind of like on the lower end of the bottom pole, uh, totem pole, right? And so what do you think the enemy tries to speak to me when I miss a layup? And these guys are competitive too. <laughs> I still miss some layups sometimes. And what do you think the enemy tries to, I mean, I go back to that same moment. So what the Holy Spirit did was, well, what were you missing in that moment? And what are you missing now? Now that you know, still, still, feel, still feel that sting 30 years later when you miss a layup, what does that mean? And one of the things I learned from this church is, it's not exactly that we're experiencing it, it's more so what it means. And so I was able to look back, re revisionist history, and look back at that moment and realize that, no, the father was with the son in his painful moment. And I guess at the age of six, I had everything that I needed. I mean, I'm only six years old. This message is, it's not, you have to listen to it for a while. So it's not like I would have known this or anything, maybe in my heart, or, but that's, some, that's what I needed to know. And then I would have just, you know, went off and been happy and, you know, you know, just play like a little kid. And so now I get to see the revisionist history of that. No, the father was with me then, just like the father is with me now when I miss the layup. 
And when I miss a layup, I still feel the sting of death. Like, dang it, I let my teammates down. Oh, now they're yelling at me. Oh, now they're not even gonna wanna pick me up next time. And it allows me to go off and say, well, we're not gonna deny the sting. This is my conversation with the father. We, we can't deny the sting, we feel it. Notice I said we, union language. We feel the sting, okay, doesn't feel nice. What does it mean? And each time, just like Psalms 23, after the, after the lamenting, Psalms 23 starts, I have everything I need. It's not the end of the world. I can make a thousand layups and still not have the peace of God. I can miss a thousand layups and still have everything I need. And it changes not only my past, but again, the present. See, yesterday, today, forever, okay? That was the first one, water break. Sweet, thank you. Thank you guys for your patience. And I understand with the heat and the food is a uh, double pressure on me to, uh... <laughs> come on. Thank you, man, I appreciate that. I, I, I trust that you guys mean that as well too, because this is this, I wanted to present this in a way that I can listen to this over and over and be blessed by it as well. So I wanna make sure this is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well. The second one, all right, so this one, so this is when I had just moved to Bakersfield and this, this sort of experience, this was more of a painful thing. So I, I told my upbringing, I gave you context right now because I had reached a point, this is, this is when I had just gotten into high school ministry and I, I just, I wasn't making a lot of money. And so I just, you know, you, you try to save up what you have for rent or for groceries. I mean, I, this is probably like the first six months of me moving to a new city. So you have to kind of be settled or whatever. So the tithing thing and, <laughs> And this is something that I've never had a problem giving tithe in the same way that we've never had a problem paying taxes. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't love it, but you don't have a problem with it, you're just used to it. It's not because you want to, it's just whatever, right? The church that I grew up in, the upbringing that I grew up in, the spirit that came out said that if you don't give tithe, that, you know, the, uh, the enemy will, God, basically God will allow the devil to give you um, the, God will allow you the devil to do bad stuff to you, right, basically. And so that's manipulative. You can get anybody, I mean, somebody who wants life, you tell them something like that, they'll do whatever they want, just and just have all this angst in their heart. So I have a lot of angst in my heart because now I'm at a crossroad to where, all right, I need to pay rent, <laughs> but God needs his 10%. <laughs> Again, I'm not the type of person that, like, just be real, like, so, so the, in my walk with Christ, I'm very blunt. I remember I went to this park and it's very vivid memory for me. Uh, I remember the bench I was sitting at and I was just hashing it out. I think the scripture says to come unconcealed, right? All right, so I, I was, why do you need my $70 so bad, God? Or, or like, you own everything and you know that I need rent. And there was a lot of pain in my heart because God should know my situation well enough to not be so desperate for the $70. This needs to be addressed. <laughs> and so again, it's a very memorable moment. And again, let me give you context. I, I look back at it as the most courageous moment of my life because context, till this day with my upbringing in church, one of the worst things you can say is that you've stopped tithing. Just, I mean, it's, it's a notch above coming out as a Satanist. It's just right there, neck and neck. You just, you just, you just don't. You just, even if you're broke, give ten percent of nothing. Just, just, 
you know, just do it, right? <laughs> but I was very angry because the, 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 the rubber had met the road and I needed to be able to pay for my bills and stuff like that. And at this time when I was sitting at this bench hashing out with God, I didn't even have a job. Okay, so I think that was what kind of was frustrating at the time is because like, can I just skip two payments? Like, so, so I was very, very angry and upset. And again, like this is stuff that just like when anger comes out, I'm starting to realize sometimes it can be anger that comes out from like years and years, just like stuff we barely even remember from childhood. And this is probably the case for me. And so it was one of those rubber meet the road moments. Because uh, the moment, if you've been tithing all of your life for 20 plus years, and then you stop, you're kind of looking over your shoulder. <laughs> you're kind of looking over your shoulder because you don't know what to expect because all this time my tithe has been my protection. Well, I needed to put that to the test. And so this time I decided to, you know, I'm not going to give you what I have right now. And, uh, and I was scared. Uh, and, and then, uh, so what happened was I needed to, I, I, what, what God, I think what, now that I look back in hindsight, I believe what God was doing was sometimes when we have laws in our heart, he needs to troll them. He needs to contradict them. He needs to, he needs to show himself real in, in the midst of our dying laws. And so uh, I said, I'm not going to tie. I don't care that I don't have a job. And you know what? If you allow the devourer to, you know, devour me up, then maybe we'll come back to the drawing board in a week or so. Now, now let me try it out. <laughs> I just needed to try. I was so scared. Um, that week, I'm sorry, that day, I was calling, a uh, calling up a buddy. Um, I was calling up a buddy looking for work. This is shortly after, you know, I hashed it out with God at the park. Gave it to him, right? <laughs> and, um, and so I was calling around looking for, for work. And I think, I believe it was the same day. And a buddy said, uh, my, my buddy, uh, my buddy, Jeff, he was working at a plumbing, uh, plumbing company. And he was like, yeah, man, uh, actually go, go. Uh, I don't know if there's anything available, but go check with my, uh, my manager and see if there's anything available. Full-time job on the spot. Now, if God didn't do that, he was still with me. But, man, did that troll and confuse my wisdom. My goodness, that was the opposite of what was supposed to happen. And that's how God being with me, I was able to, I don't know if you noticed just now, I said, I, I said it kind of half jokingly. I said, if, uh, I said, if we, I said, um, just now I said, uh, if we don't, if, if, We'll be okay in a week, or I'll come, we'll come back to a drawing board. I said that a couple moments ago, right? Notice I said we, mm -hmm. union. And so at that moment, and I said that in the moment, that's hindsight. And so the Holy Spirit showed me like union was already being born in you in that moment. The fact that you would say, if, the de if, you, get, uh, if you get bad health, we'll come back to the drawing board in a week and try to you know, tighten out or something else out. I was already brainstorming with God the pain in my heart, and I didn't even know that until he showed me 12 years later. How crazy is that? That was cool, huh? That was story number two. Give me a second. All right. Okay, this one's big. All right. Final story, and then I'm going to put a bow on this. So when I first got to Houston, not Houston, when I first got to Bakersfield, Again, this is before I got into high school ministry, and it was just me and God just in the cool of the day and just, you know, just hanging out. Well, one of the things I like to do when I hung out was smoke weed. 
and there was one particular I think I was smoking before I had wanted to get before I wanted to like have a relationship with Christ. So it's kind of something that I was already doing. Anyways, um, I was in Bakersfield at the moment and I had just moved in there and uh, there was one particular, there was one particular instance and this happens like, I mean, I've had panic attacks and um, I've had panic attacks before in the past. Some of them weren't even, some of them were just random, like just without anything induced. And I even have family members that, so it's something that's kind of like, was um, was put a lot of fear in my heart. But anyways, during this particular panic attack, this one was uh, weed induced, and I had smoked way too much. So, because I, I don't know if you know, like the the the, the, the 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 weed in California is very very strong, and I was just over my head. Like I, good intentions, but like, well, dude, what are you doing? Anyways, it caused me to freak out into a panic so much so to the point where I thought God wasn't with me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most painful moment of my life. The fear that I felt in the moment of this particular panic attack, I felt the fear pressing. I felt, God, where are you in my heart? Where's your God now? I felt it in the deepest part of my heart. I thought I was going to hell. This is after at least three months of just, just fellowshipping and vibing with God. But for some reason, on this particular panic attack, I thought that God had tricked me. I thought he pulled the rug under me. I thought he wanted something like he always wanted something for me as a little kid. And I thought that this was his moment. It's the worst thing anybody can believe about God. So um, I'm freaking out. I lived by myself at the moment. And I, um, as I'm, I'm just, I don't know if anybody's had a panic attack. Some, sometimes you can remember spots and parts of it when you're, or like shock or seizure or something like that. You can remember spots and parts of it. And I remember during this particular time, again, remember the premises, Revisionist history, God is with us in our past, in our painful moment. I don't like going back to this moment, but, but lately I've been camping out at this moment because it's the cross that I needed in this moment. It's the revelation that God was with me at this moment. You wanna hear something crazy? As I was freaking out, as I was panicking, my mom told me uh, maybe a couple years afterwards, she said, you know what? You know, I, I, I questioned if you were saved in that moment when you called me on the phone panicking. And you know what you told me? How can I lose my salvation when I'm one with Christ? I said that in the midst of my panic. The Father's always with you, whether you're conscious about it or not, whether you're thinking about it or not. The Father's always with you. And we can only see that with God being one and the Son with uh, with Psalms 23 and Psalms, uh, Psalms 22 and Psalms 23 being put together in proper context, we see that we have a victory. Paul says that we're more than conquerors. Jesus hanging on the cross, I started to think, what kept a guy that said that he has legions of angels waiting at his authority, what kept him voluntarily there? How? He said he does nothing of himself. We think that God was up there like, you know, like, oh, I have to, like, you know, thank God he did, and we, we, we get the context of it and stuff like that, but the human side of God, we, we, we just, he laid down his life. He was persuaded. He was, he, he was baby. He was God, and he was the son. He was one, and I mean, you, you, you see this comfort that Jesus had in his heart in the midst of his deepest, darkest pain on the cross, naked, Scripture said he didn't even look like a human. 
And here he is deciding not to come off the cross. And the only way he was able to do that was he would have to see a victory. He would, it says for the joy set before him, he went anyways. And I wanna, go, I wanna uh, paint an illustration, thank God I have enough time. I wanna paint an illustration of the victory that Christ in his deepest, darkest pain. The hallucination was mine, at least that particular one. And Christ in his pain, what did he look at? And so I wanna, um, um, thanks for bearing with me guys, this is going great. I'm get to say everything that I wanted to. Um, so Psalms 23 talks about his cup runneth over. And so you have to be looking at something in the midst of your pain for your cup to actually run over. And so I have, a, I have a, some of you guys have seen my video. I have a crazy imagination, very creative. It's one of my gifts and I like to share it with people. And so I had a visual going back to David and Goliath and I called it the prize fight. I almost named it this, uh, this, this term, the prize fight because the prize fight is something that involves all of us, right? And I'll, I'll explain how. But it's something that we need to not only Jesus looked at when he was in his pain, but we also need to look at this when we're in our pain. So I like to imagine that when Jesus is on the cross, he was thinking of the fight with, with, with David and Goliath and, 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 and how, how it's, it's uh, Hebrews 12 talks about a, a, a cloud of witnesses. It talks about, uh, it talks about uh, uh, being more than conquerors. And so I was talking with the Holy Spirit about what is more than conqueror? What does more than conqueror look like? He would be like, it would be like a prize fight. If I would have thought of this earlier, I thought of this this week. If I would have thought about it earlier, I would have, I would have dressed up in a tuxedo to get into, uh, to get into character, but you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> but he's like, he like, being more than a conqueror, it's like a prize fight. This is what I saw. I said, um, it's like David and Goliath, and we all know the story of how uh, of how David took the took the pebble and he and he and he crushes uh, and he crushes Goliath's head. And Goliath is a sign of our physical death, and so that's what Jesus' mind was filled with. Because if you kill death, there's nothing left but life. And so this is what was in Jesus' heart as he was bleeding out on the cross. The victory that that um, the victory that that was symbolic of was Christ with him, with, with the Father, with the life of the Father on the cross. And so David and Goliath, I like to look at it as all of humanity was watching this fight. This is the biggest fight in all of mankind. God versus death. David versus Goliath. So what's so cool is that I just found out this battle, David and Goliath, the actual battle, happened on the same hill where Christ actually died, Calvary. I did not know that, so crazy. And so we see this illustration, and I say we're all involved because when somebody wants to defend someone's honor, like if I, like Clarissa is my wife, if I wanted to defend her honor, I want her and everyone she knows to watch because I'm going to smack whoever tried to, you know, and we're the bride of Christ. And so in the same way, God wants a crowd of witnesses, or he wants a whole bunch of witnesses, all of humanity, to see how he's going to handle death to see how David's gonna handle Goliath. And so now I have this vision of like, we're all, uh, we're all watching this fight. All of humanity is watching this fight. And then we know how it ends. Life slays death. Life slays our death. And now we're witnesses of that. And then to answer my question, I was like, what's more than a conqueror look like? It'd be like everybody watching that fight. And then not only David getting a championship belt, but every single person witnessing it gets a championship belt. More than a conqueror. You didn't do anything to get this. The belt is eternal life, by the way, it's an analogy. The belt is eternal life, the life of God, uh, uh, a life that's conquered our physical death. And everybody that watched this fight, not only did David, not only did Jesus get a belt, but Jim got a belt, because he saw it. And Matt got a belt, and Denise got a belt. Now, this isn't to say that everyone is saved. 
This is to say that everyone, I think the scripture says in this grace of which we now all stand, right? Or like Bertie says, you know, uh, uh, he said, uh, he used a nice analogy. He said, uh, back when Trump was president, he said, uh, when Trump goes to other countries and stuff, you know, whether you voted for him or not, the, the way this works spiritually is that America is in Trump, but Trump is not in America, not at all in all Americans, meaning that he's your representative. Do you call him your representative though? And in the same way, Jesus said, but when, 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 when he slayed death on the cross and was raised from the dead, and in this picture, when David killed Goliath, he did it in front of everyone. And now the Holy Spirit's going out and letting everyone know, hey, you got a belt. You didn't do, you didn't do anything to get it. Would you like to know how you got this belt? We're more than conquerors. And then we feed on this message. It's called daily bread. This is what was in Jesus' heart. He wouldn't have been able to stay on the cross if he didn't know how it ended. And so now in our pain, we know how it ends. These are just three examples. I mean, I tore my ACL. I've had a whole bunch of painful moments. Now in our pain, though, we can see, man, the same thing that comforted Jesus when he was on the cross. The cross is when we're in pain. Whatever, like, you know, your, your spouse goes off on you or you, you flick someone off in traffic, you know, you're experiencing that pain at the cross. And so whenever you're in pain, it's not weird. Jesus didn't deny that he was bleeding out like he actually was experiencing pain on the cross. But what his heart thought about it, his heart was protected so much so to the point that what was in his heart manifested all over his body. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that we need hope. And the only reason we need hope is because we have this message in our heart in a world surrounded by death. And so we need to continue to feed on the prize fight, the belt. You know, we, there's, this, there's this thing in Christianity to where it's just like, you know, can you lose your salvation? The premise of that question says that we're dealing with your salvation and not the salvation of God. And so whenever I hear that, I mean, earnest heart, I mean, it's always good intentions. That's fine. But I always like to rebut that with, man, I, I, I promise you the Holy Spirit wants you to get rid of your salvation and grab onto his. Yeah. Grab onto his belt. You didn't do anything to fight for this belt. That's what the serpent wants to do. You didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't deserve that championship belt. I didn't see you out there fighting. No, it was a gift. It was a gift of God. Once again, the fight is a life that has conquered your physical death. David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all these stories point to the same thing, all from the same message that the Father and the Son are one. Let me make sure I don't have anything else. Dang, that's it. Man, I got through everything. Look at that. Praise God. So just a... Uh, yeah, just to put a bow on it, um, man, I just want to encourage, uh, I, I want to encourage people online. When I, I was, uh, when I was going, when I was floundering and searching and going on YouTube and reaching out to pastors and stuff, I mean, there's not a lot of churches that you'll, that you'll hear this sort of message come out of. But I guarantee you, I mean, if you're, if, if you're looking for, if you're at the end of the road and um, you're tired of failing in different ways and you need life, you don't need more rules, you just need life. And uh, this is, uh, one of a few churches that I know that uh, that serves this message um, day in and day out. And you can the cool thing about this message, the word made flesh, is that you can there's so many different ways. I mean, today I talked about on the, the, the sonship of Christ, but he's also father, too. I mean, there's so many different ways and aspects to look at it. But the premise has to be Psalms 22 and Psalms 23 read in proper context that the Father and the Son are always one. It's so easy for us to believe that, 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 Jesus, was, that Jesus was God when he was feeding 5,000 
And it's easy to believe that Jesus is God when he was raised from the dead, but then he gets to the cross and it's just like something happens. We don't like death. Not, Jesus didn't like death. Jesus desired life as well. He's our representative. He desires life because we desire life. And so if you're out there and you need uh, just, a, just, I mean, just a, a social place where you can ask questions to, there's a Facebook group, Gospel Revolution Church Facebook group. And I, I just want to encourage you, reach out. Hell, reach out to me. I mean, if I don't have the answer for you, I'll point out to one of these guys. I mean, I've been blessed by the church. I finally have found what I'm looking for. And all along, it was life. And everything else is added. And, you know, um, the more I focus on this, the more it's beneficial for my, my marriage. She gets to be the recipient of my union with God. You know, all the, t all the good times that we've had, that's I'm, union, prize fight, baby. I have my mind set on the, uh, on the prize. Um, anything else? Let me make, oh, I just want to, uh, since I have time, I want to pray for my uh, friend, uh, Kareem. He's going through, so I think she's getting better the last time I spoke with her husband. Kareem was one of the uh, ministers from, uh, one of the counselors from uh, Birdie Bridge Church that really, when I was kind of like, when, when I decided to stop going to church and I was just kind of confused, she was one of the ones that really just brought me in um, to this message in a non-judgmental way. And now um, she, she lives in Canada. She's, she's, she's hurting right now. So uh, we'll pray for her. And then, um, man, I hope you guys are still hungry. It looks like some good food there. <laughs> Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you're with us. Thank you for these beautiful human beings. I feel so loved. I feel so comfortable. Um, thank you that a byproduct of this message is that you get to love people. We all want to love people. We don't know how to do it because we don't know what it looks like. But thank you, Father, that you're patient, Father. Thank you that you, 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 don't, you don't despise watching the thing grow. We're all at different phases. Some of us are searching. Some of, our, some of us are solidified. Some of us are a little bit skeptical and have a bunch of questions. You understand that. Thank you, Father, that you're the comforter. You bring all things to our remembrance. You bring this truth to our remembrance, as it says in John. Thank you for reminding us of the prize fight in the midst of our pain. Thank you for revisionist history, that we don't have to sweep our painful past, divorce, um, 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 getting beat up, um, uh, feeling left, feeling abandoned. Father, these are places in our hearts that you want to heal. But thank you, Lord, that you don't force yourself upon us. We just make ourselves available, work with, work with us wherever we're at. I want to lift up Corrine right now, Father. I thank you for bringing this lady into my life. Um, her and her husband, Andre, at a, point, at a point where I was in a lot of pain, hurt, and confusion. Um, right now, she's experiencing the effects of death in her body. We pray, Father, that you guard her heart. Guard her heart in the midst of the contradiction of her physical flesh. I thank you, Father, that as you guard her, guard her heart, her mind will also be guarded. I thank you that she'll have great joy. We pray for physical healing for her body. Pray for her loved ones as well, Lord. Thank you for Andre. Thank you for uh, Pastor Greg. Thank you for Bertie. Thank you for these beautiful people. And thank you for what you're doing in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.